success is the result of doing your best to be your best. And success comes not always from the score. It doesn't come from the outcome. It doesn't come from how many hits you get each and every day, but success comes from the process. This is Brian Kane, your Peak Performance Coach with the Peak Performance Podcast. And today our guest is Zach Sorensen. Zach was a three-time All-American baseball player for the Wichita State University Shockers. And he played in the major leagues with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and the Cleveland Indians. Sorensen is one of only a handful of people on planet Earth who have played in the major leagues and have a degree in sports psychology. In this podcast episode, Sorensen is going to share his journey into the big leagues, the mindset that got him there, the mental game that might have kept him there longer, and now what he teaches to the professional players and amateur players that he works with on the mental game. You can learn more about Zach at his Twitter handle, which is at Z Sorensen Phenom. Again, his Twitter handle is at Z S O R E N S E N P H E N O M. That's at Z Sorensen Phenom. Please welcome to the Peak Performance Podcast, Zach Sorensen. Zach, thanks for being with us. How you doing, Brian? Thanks for having me. Doing great, man. Glad you're with us here. If you would, Zach, can you kind of give our uh, listeners, you know, and I want you to imagine that you're speaking to, you know, baseball coaches and, and, and players, and there'll be, there'll be coaches from other sports and athletes from other sports listening to this, but let's kind of target in on that baseball audience because you've got such a great story there, and kind of give them your story from growing up in Salt Lake and getting all the way to the big leagues and how you ended up at Wichita State and kind of your journey. Could you give us that for that story? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, for me, it was always it was always baseball. I wanted to play in the big leagues. And from a young boy, I used to remember sitting in front of a television, having my sister take a photo of me with the game in the background, visualizing myself playing in the big leagues. So much so that one night as I couldn't sleep, as I'm dreaming about being being out there on, on the big league stadium, on the big league team, I, I actually painted a field on my ceiling just so that I can constantly have that in my sights. And that was my motivation to make it happen. So, you know, and I did a lot of things which were, you know, a little, little awkward and a little strange. But for me, it was always just having that in my sights and being able to see myself as a major league player. It was my motivation to make it happen. So, you know, I, I was drafted out of high school, uh, out of Utah, which is not a, at the time was not a very big, strong baseball state in the 16th round by the Orioles and decided to turn it down because I felt like I, I needed to grow up a little bit. And from there, I, I, I lucked out and was able to uh, able to go play at Wichita State University. An awesome experience, awesome opportunity for me to go out there and, and feel I like compete with at one of the best programs in the country. So, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to be able to for them, to start for them. You know, we were ranked number one in the country a lot of the time I was there. And then uh, my junior year, you know, I, I had a big season, which allowed me to get drafted by the Indians in, in, uh, in the second round. Um, and, and, you know, what an awesome organization for me to be in, an organization that not only embraced development, but also embraced the mental game. And I think that's probably where I, I was first introduced to the mental game. And I, I very quickly realized and recognized that that was a difference maker 
between, you know, players that were very good on paper and players that were very good on paper and lasted in the game a long time, if that makes sense. So, uh, so for me, it, I started to develop some of the routines and habits without much guidance as what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that I was doing some releasing and refocusing at the time, but I was able to use those things to kind of keep me sharp, and, and I feel like that's the, probably the main reason why I was able to make it to the big leagues. But having said that, Brian, that there were you know the, my lack of development in the mental game. I feel like is what kept me from being there, and you know we'll get into that I'm sure as we we talk today. But uh, but the mental game w- was was big time for me. So you know as I finished my my career, um, and I, I hear myself talk about defense and talk about technique related to hitting. When I start talking mental game, I get super, super, super excited. Zach, what are the aspects of the mental game that, you know, you talked about visualization when you were a kid and painting that baseball diamond on your ceiling, and I've heard you speak a number of times. I never knew that. That's outstanding. You know, what, what are some of the other mental game things that you use maybe besides visualization that you feel like, man, if I, if I had learned this earlier in my career or if I had developed it more in my career, I might have had a better chance of having a, a longer career or things you saw you know, other guys doing that helped them be successful. Yeah, I think one of the one of the big things that I I failed to learn early in my career that I did learn later, and I've especially learned since I've been you know listening to Brian Kane and peak performance, is is the fact just buying into the process is such a big deal, and understanding that you can get better even if you don't go out. You know, you are getting better even if you don't don't go out and get a few hits that day. So you know, baseball it's important to measure everything. We talk about that. You talk about that. It's a big part of our program. And everything is measured in baseball. But unfortunately, the things that we do measure in baseball oftentimes just tell us about the things we don't do well. Now, uh, you know, and, and as a player, I felt like at times I would look at my batting average or I would look at, you know, my numbers, compare them to other players. And, and that would be tough to see at times. So it wasn't until I later realized that it's not always about the outcome, but the process is where you can become stronger, where you can strengthen yourself and also motivate yourself to be better, where you can really turn yourself into the best player that you can be. What are some of those things that you would measure you know everybody talks about batting average and home runs and we know from a mental game standpoint that you can have a quality at bat that doesn't end up in a base hit and your batting average actually goes down but you help the team win and I think when you're talking with young players that's really hard for them to grasp that they can actually do something productive to help the team when their stats go in the wrong direction what are the things that you measured Zach or what are the things that you now teach the players you work with at the professional and and amateur levels to measure to give them a better understanding of the process yeah I think one of the most important things that players need to understand is how to be a true self-evaluator and and the reason why I say that is because you need to understand exactly where you're at in your walk in, in your career what your strengths are what your weaknesses are what your limitations are from there you can develop a game plan which is, is Brian that's your MVP process on how I can become better at where I'm at so I can measure if one of my if one of my my goals for lack of better terms or one of my visions is to become a, a solid, strong base runner that can steal bases and, and really help my team score runs. Okay, Then I develop my principles and, and my action items that are going to help me to do that. Now, I break that down and I can say, okay, I measure my 60-yard dash time as a baseball player. I know where that's at at the beginning of the summer. I put my plan in place based on jump rope and running 60-yard dashes daily, and I set up this whole routine on where I can go with that. 
and then you can measure again each week or again at the, at the end of the summer. What you'll find out is it's almost impossible to not get better if you have this plan in place. So although my goal is to be a base stealer, right, I don't have to just measure my, my stolen bases compared to other players. I can measure my speed. I can measure my, my home to first. I can measure all things and break it down smaller from there. Uh, other than that, Brian, you're measuring your quality at bats every single day. You're measuring your the way you attack a ground ball left to right every single day. And, you know, when a person becomes a true self-evaluator, what they understand is you pick apart your game in ways that are so detailed, okay, that you're going to recognize that you're getting better each and every day. Even if you don't get a hit, even if you don't make that play, you're going to understand that you never would have got to that ground ball six weeks ago if you hadn't put this plan in place. So those are the measurements, I think, that are going to continue to propel you and motivate you forward, even if you don't get the hit that day. You know, and one of the things I've heard you talk a lot about, Zach, is making adversity your advantage. And one of the things that I remember in your career at Wichita State, you guys are in the College World Series, you're dealing with some adversity, and you come up with a clutch hit for the Shockers. Would you talk a little bit about that story, because I think it's so awesome, and then also this concept of making adversity your advantage? Yeah, you know, oftentimes we talk about, when you talk about mental conditioning, we talk about failure. It's such a big thing, failure in sports, failure in life. And how you respond to failure is a big deal. We often use the use the line that, that failure is only feedback. I even like to take it further than that and say failure is feedback and failure is also fuel to make you better. So, you know, I'm playing in the College World Series and in the in the championship game and in the regionals, uh, we were playing on a turf infield. The ball was, you know, the turf was wet. Pre-game, the ball skips up on me and, and hits my, my finger and blows it up, and I'm bleeding everywhere and and, and whatever. So, you know, you kind of get through the game, you, you battle, and all is good. After the game, as you know, you know, just like Brian Kane's feeling a little bit this morning after waking up from a big, a big Ironman, you get a little bit sore day, day two, day three. And now I get to go play on the biggest stage, you know, up to that point in my career at the College World Series, and I'm having a hard time gripping the bat. Um, so, you know, you, you do a couple things. You either, you either say that this is going to limit me and I'm not going to be able to face a right-handed pitcher because I can't grip the bat left-handed, or you find a way to turn that to in your advantage. And it actually made me more aggressive as a player. Uh, and I was able to get a big hit for my team in that series. You know, a few years later, I, I remember being with the angels in, in spring training. I tore my groin and I, I was going to be out eight weeks. And this was a, this was a tough time because we were a couple days away from, uh, making that major league team, I felt like I had a really good shot, and then I got injured. And uh, I remember as I uh, was sent down to extended spring training to to rehab, I had the opportunity to be around some young players who I feel like were great, great players, but maybe they hadn't developed the the mental conditioning they needed to be their best. Uh, and we're in a we're in a ball game. The three hole hitters, the big strong guy, he's got power, he's got speed, he's got everything that you look for as a scout, right? And he gets in that, that, that game and he's facing the starting pitcher, strike one fastball right down the middle. He takes the pitch like we oftentimes do, and then he shakes his head up and down like, I don't know what he's saying to himself. I've got him. I've got him timed. I, maybe he's saying I should have swung it. I don't know what his, you know, his, his, his self-talk was. Second pitch was the breaking ball that was bounced in the dirt. He got fooled on it. He swings and misses. He's down 0-2 now. Third pitch, split finger fastball, falls off the table. He takes a nasty swing at it, strike three. So he's walking back to the dugout. He's hitting his helmet. You know, he probably tosses his bat. Obviously, the batting gloves are gone because they're no good. And uh, 
and, and maybe a few choice words. But he goes and sits on the bench. And, and you know, like I said, a lot of players scatter when that happens. And, and you know, being me, as I was a little bit, you know, further along in my career, I went and sat right next to him, looked over at him, and I said, great at bat. Yeah, he looks at me and says, what are you talking about? That was embarrassing, you know, and I said, no, that was a great at bat. And so here we have some, you know, some adversity, some, you know, that it was, it was a terrible at bat, but how can you spin that around? And I think the great players are the ones that can quickly spin that at bat into, to an advantage. So here's what I told him. I said, I said, this is the, this is the starting pitcher in a game. He's going to try to throw five to six pit or innings. He's going to throw five to six innings. You're going to face him how many times? And this, this hitter looks at me and says, I'll face him two more times for a total of three. I said, absolutely. Two more at-bats against this guy. You've seen his fastball. You've seen his curveball. You've seen his split finger. I said, there's nothing he can throw to you that you haven't already seen. I'm like, you're more prepared now than you ever possibly could be, and he has no chance of getting you out. So here's how you see how you can kind of spin this. You turn some adversity. Now you act as though you have the advantage, and you walk up to the plate next time saying, he can't fool me. I've got this guy, and here we go. I love that. You know, another thing you talk about with making adversity your advantage and kind of just taking a different perspective on things is a story of one of the greatest players, you know, at least of our generation and, and Manny Ramirez and, and watching him break down video. Can you tell that story and what you learned from that experience with Manny? Yeah, you know, I had the pleasure of, of being around Manny a lot and I learned a lot from that guy. He's one of the best hitters to ever play the game. I, I really feel like it. And his his attention to detail and his professionalism as a hitter is is second to none. So, you know, during that time in my career, I, I was in double A, maybe in triple A, and, and I really got into video analysis. And it was great, you know, and we all do video analysis. So we go have dad or our coaches video us and and uh, after the game, we take that video back to our hotel room or to the house, and we 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 analyze it. We we pick apart our swing, and we figure out you know the things that we could do better. And I was really big into this, and I felt like it really helped me. I like I said, I picked apart my swing. Maybe my barrel was dropping. I'm too far out on my front side. You know, my balance transfer wasn't where I wanted. Whatever it was, and oftentimes it was a pretty good sizable list, right? So anyway, I bump into Manny and I'm talking to him. And, and like I said, I was really big into visual training at this time and, and video analysis. And so I, I said, Manny, do you do video analysis? And he said he, he does. And I said, awesome. How often do you do it? He goes, I do it every single day. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing to me. Is there any way I can come watch one of your video analysis sessions? And he allowed me to do so. So the next day I showed up, I told him I'd be a fly on the wall. I wouldn't bug him, wouldn't ask him any questions. I just wanted to watch the master, you know, do it. He walks into the uh, the video room, puts his headphones on, and he's got you know his favorite Latin song just jamming through the headphones. I can hear it clearly, and uh, you know, and he puts on his video. He pushes play, and for the next three and a half to four minutes, while his favorite song played, I watched Manny hit like 18 home runs, 32 doubles. He was hitting balls all over the ballpark, and it was just it was it was awesome, man. I got excited, I got fired up, you know. And then he takes his headphones off, sets them down, and walks out of the room. So I grabbed him. I said, Manny, Manny, hold on a sec. I said, I promised you I wouldn't ask you a question. I only have about 15 questions for you. But I said, Manny, I said, awesome. You're a great hitter, and you can hit home runs and doubles. Good job. I'm like, but what about the at-bat yesterday, your second at-bat when you got, you, you got fooled and you struck out? Let's, let's look at that video. Let's analyze what happened in that, that you know, at-bat. 
And uh, he looked at me and he says, why would I want to watch that at bat? He goes, I want to watch me doing the things that I want to do. I want to watch me taking a good swing. I want to have that repetition in my mind of me taking the approach and the swing that I want to take tonight in the ball game. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can see that. I understand that. And I said, but do you ever look at your swing? He goes, well, there's a time to look at that, but not before I go into a game. And then he says, Zach, I have one question for you. He says, who's more prepared to play tonight? You. Now, remember, I struck out like 17 times in my video, right? Or me. And Manny's like, these guys have no chance of getting me out tonight. He put his big smile on his face and he walked out of the room. So what an awesome lesson to me. You know, you talk about this, Brian. You say everything happens twice, you know, first in your mind and then in the game. So why are we constantly watching ourselves struggle or fail are we going to benefit as much or more from watching ourselves succeed? I think definitely, especially just prior to going out to playing a game. Routines are, are such an important part of the game. And honestly, Brian, I wish I would have even been more entrenched into being more routine oriented. And I've learned this as, I, as I've studied underneath you and with you, uh, just the importance of routine. Let me tell a quick story about another player, Darren Erstad. You know, Darren Erstad played first base for us with the Angels. He was a great, great, great player. He also was a, you know, he played for Nebraska's football team. So, you know, we can call him a bulldog or whatever you want. But this guy was the most routine oriented guy I've ever played with. In fact, I, every single night we have a 7.05 game and it was 6.32 p.m. because I looked and I paid attention to this. At 6.32 p.m., he showed up behind me standing over the garbage can, okay? And what I had recognized and noticed is probably five minutes prior to that, he went into the kitchen. He got himself one piece of bread. He painted peanut butter on one, on the whole you know, piece of bread. He put jam or jelly on half of it, folded this peanut butter and jelly sandwich in half, walked over to the garbage can, took one bite out of it, and then threw that PB&J in the garbage can and took off out to the field. You know, and I remember asking myself, you know, this is a little bit strange. This is a little bit odd. And and then I asked myself, I wonder if on nights when he's a little bit hungrier than he is another night, if he'll take two bites. And I think you know the answer to that question. Never, never did he take two bites of that PB and J. So you know, you are you are creatures. You know, your habits mean everything, and your routine gets you ready. So I used to ask myself, well, why is he doing that? What is he doing? And, and just like you guys know, he knows exactly how much time he has until he's ready to, for that first pitch of the game. And he's working that inner clock he has in his mind and in his body that's getting him ready for that game every night. So for me, I was a big morning person. You know, a lot of baseball players, you play late at night, you get home late, they sleep until, you know, mid-morning or later. I was a guy that I had to get up early. So I set my alarm every single morning at the same time. I would get up, I would go get myself some breakfast. That was important to me. Otherwise, I used to lose a lot of weight during the, you know, the 162-game season or whatever. And then I'd hit the gym and I'd hit it hard. And, you know, back in that time, strength and conditioning was still pretty new. And it wasn't sure if that was going to tighten players up and, and hurt baseball players. But for me, I needed to do that because I felt different. Have you ever heard that before, Brian? I felt different in uniform when I'd go get a good pump on, right? And, and for me, it was as much strength and endurance throughout a long season as it was mental and how I felt that day. So, you know, a couple other routines I used to do whenever – and this, this goes to kind of talking about, you know, release and refocus, Brian. This is something I did in college, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I played on a turf infield grass outfield at Wichita State. Right behind my turf infield 
were drains for the water to run off. And, and obviously the rain was collected and allowed us to play a lot of games when otherwise we'd get rained out. So what I also realized is that was not just a drain, but to me that looked like a jail. Okay, so whenever I made an error, it wasn't me that made the error. It was the little gremlin or the little man in my glove that made the error. So after I would make that error, I would walk over to the jail and I would take the little man out of my glove and I would put him in jail. Okay. Obviously what I'm doing there is part of is part of the release and that's my physical action on the release. I would have loved to have known the things that you've taught me in the release and the refocus, but I did do a little bit of it there. So, you know, you have these routines, you have you have them for every single moment, whether it's after they call your name to walk up to the plate or stepping in and out of the box or or batting gloves. It's all very routine oriented just to keep your mind right and to keep your internal clock on time. I think success, and it's an awesome thing that I'm loving to study right now, success is the result of doing your best to be your best. And success comes not always from the score. It doesn't come from the outcome. It doesn't come from how many hits you get each and every day. But success comes from the process. And if you can be ahead of the game and preparing your process and buy into your process and stick to your process, I guarantee you that your success will be a result. And it may not be that you're going to play in the big leagues. It may not be that you're going to play in the hall. Of, you know, you're going to get the the ballot into the Hall of Fame. But you're going to be very satisfied with your success as long as you have a true process in place based on true true values, and then you get after it and work hard. Oftentimes we work hard. We all like to work hard. We get after it, but sometimes we have no direction in which way we go. We work hard so we can get the hit. We work hard so that we can strike everybody out. But that's not always the the success that that is set up for us or for our team. So if I could go back, I would really focus on embracing the process. Now, along with the process, we have things that you teach, like like the release and the refocus. Is, is that the process? Absolutely. Am I going to be a better player if I release and refocus each and every day? Absolutely. That's part of my process. Am I going to be a better player if I understand failure and understand that failure is an opportunity for me to learn? Absolutely. So, you know, instead of having this this closed mindset, you know, instead of a growth mindset, uh, you know, if I have that growth mindset, I can learn that, that any time I make a mistake, that's just an opportunity for me to get better. That's all part of the process. So I would really bear down on focusing on each and every day, getting done and winning each day, not winning the season, not winning the week, the at bat or even the game. But if I can win each day, I'm going to be my very best and I'm going to be happy with the, the success I get. Yeah, I'm at uh, phenomsports.com. We we got our website up on phenomsports.com. I've been super blessed to be able to to learn from you, Brian. You know, absolute honor to be in your life, and I appreciate all you've done for me in mentoring me and and being an accountability partner for me. And and uh, super excited for what's coming our way. Are you looking for a high energy, competitive way to get your team to compete while training athleticism, hand-eye coordination, and lateral quickness? If so, you got to check out Spikeball. Top high school, college, and professional athletes around the world are using Spikeball as a fun and safe competition to start their training sessions, practices, and workouts. It's also a tremendous way to train your routines and releases and build that elite mindset. As a listener to the Peak Performance Podcast, Podcast, you can get a free spike ball set by visiting briancane.com slash spike ball. Again, that's briancane.com slash spike ball because if you're not playing spike ball, you're just playing games.
If your body could talk, what would it tell you? Know your body, transform your life. That's the motto of DexaFit, the best in helping you know your numbers. DexaFit shows you exactly how your body composition, cardiovascular fitness, and metabolic health compares to the optimal standard. We know that measurement equals motivation, and DexaFit measures your progress while providing the diet and fitness plan customized for your body. DexaFit is providing a tremendous opportunity for listeners of the Peak Performance Podcast to get their first scan at a discounted rate. Go to briancane.com slash DexaFit. That's briancane.com slash D-E-X-A-F-I-T right now to learn more. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.